All right, dear. We'll be back in a little bit. I'm going to take our grandson out for our Sunday afternoon tractor ride. What's that? Yeah, I know we got our Sunday clothes on, but uh, we won't get dirty, I promise. Harrison, you promise not to get dirty? Promise your grandma. All right, all right. And we'll be back in time for lunch. Yes, all right, I'll zip my coat up. Never stop being a child. All right, see you in a bit. Okay. Well, Harrison, how was Sunday school today? Yeah? What would you learn? Thou shalt not steal. That's a pretty important commandment, isn't it? Yeah. What's that? Have I ever stolen anything? That's a good question. Well, you know, that, that question deserves a pretty thorough answer. And uh, I think it's about time you knew something about your grandpa that, well, up until now I haven't told you about, but I think you're old enough to figure this out now. So I tell you, well, let's put our tractor right off until this afternoon after we've had lunch. And instead, let's go sit on Grandpa's bench and let me tell you a little story about myself, okay? All right, come on over here. Ah, look, look out there at the crop this year. Have you, have you seen such corn in your life? There's not a weed. There's not a weed out there, is there? No. Yeah. You know, this land has always produced good crops. Yeah. Well, sit down. Oh, yeah, this is my favorite bench. Come over here. Yeah. Well, Harrison, this kind of pains your grandpa a little bit, but you asked a good question. Have I ever stolen anything? And, well, I just need to be very honest with you and say that your grandpa used to be quite a thief. Yeah, I was. What did I steal? Well, stole this land, stole the seed that it created the crops, stole the fertilizer, helped the seed grow, stole the machinery, stole the combine, the tractors, yeah. Stole the barn, the farmhouse, stole the cars, the pickups that I've owned, stole pretty much everything I could get my hands on, yeah. See, there was a time, Harrison, when, when Grandpa didn't go to church like he goes to church now. And there was also a time when Grandpa didn't read the Bible like he does now. And Well, there was a time when I, uh, well, I didn't pray much. I didn't feel like I needed God or the Bible or prayer. I mean, look at this farm. Every year, we had a bumper crop. We were the envy of all the farmers in the county. Couldn't explain it to you. I just figured it was good luck and a lot of hard work just knowing how to do it. Now, your grandma, she was different. Grandma always went to church. I mean, she went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and every night in between if it were open. She always read her Bible, their life journal, and then she always made sure that your daddy went to church too. I kind of made fun of her about that. I figured religion was for people who were weak, not for men like me. I mean, look, I didn't need God. I was doing fine without him. And then something happened in my life. Well, it stopped me from being a thief any longer. Turned me around. Changed me. See, I used to be quite a fool. What's that? What's a fool? Ah, fool somebody who thinks they know better than God. And that was me, a thief and a fool. I think it was on a Sunday, if I remember correctly. Yep, it was. 
Yeah, a Sunday morning, about this time of the year, I came out and I sat on this bench. I always did that because I like to look at my fields and just, just think about how lucky I was and how my hard work was paying off. Such a beautiful sight. Grandma had gone to church that morning and taken your daddy with her. And I was sitting down here, and that year, our, our fields produced more corn than they ever, ever have any other time since then. And I came out here, and I thought to myself, you know what? The prices are high right now. I'm going to be able to sell all this corn and make a pile of cash. What am I going to do with that pile of cash? Our savings was already pretty good. I thought to myself, I could use a new tractor. I'm going to buy a new tractor. Then I thought to myself, well, the barns are getting kind of old and worn out. I'm not going to paint them. I'm going to build a new barn. And then I thought to myself, you know what? I think, I think Grandma could use a new car. I'm going to buy her a new car, one that I like. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, you know what? Maybe, maybe the old house is ready to be torn down and rebuilt again. And then I thought to myself, you know, in the long winters here, there's not much to do. I'm going to go on a cruise. Now, your grandma says she doesn't want to go on cruises. So I figure I'll just go by myself. But that's what it takes to eat her portion too. But I'm going to go on a cruise. And I remember I crossed my legs and I put my arms behind me. And I thought to myself, Farmer Hummel, you have got it made. This is living. This is life. And I'm telling you what, Harrison, about that time, all of a sudden, I felt this pain like I can't describe to you, come over my chest. And I mean, I lost my breath and slumped right over on this bench. Doctor said I nearly died. Another doctor said I did die. He said my heart had stopped. So the paramedics were ready to give up on me when all of a sudden my heartbeat returned. And the next thing I knew, I was in the hospital with every confounded tube known a man sticking out every part of my body and needles and all kinds of stuff i'd had a massive heart attack should have died but i guess the good lord had another plan for me probably to be sitting here right next to my best buddy in the whole world telling him how to avoid the mistake grandpa made you know what in a strange way harrison i'm thankful for that heart attack because it brought me face to face the one i'd been stealing from who's that god right. Harrison, I can't explain this to you. I know it's going to sound a little strange. But between the time that I passed out on this bench and woke up in the hospital, I heard God speak to me. Didn't see anybody. But in the darkness of my mind, I heard a voice as loud as a bell. I heard God say to me, Dale, you fool. Do you really think you know better than me? What are you going to do now that I'm calling your soul to report before me and give an account for your life and everything I've given you? Did you really think it was your own? And those words were ringing in my ears when I woke up in that hospital room. I really believe, I don't care what anybody else says, I really believe that God was speaking to Grandpa. And from that moment on, I have never stolen a thing Again, in fact, soon after that, God gave me a verse out of the Bible, Psalm 24, 1. Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the whole world, and all those who live in it. 
Ah, what a thief I'd been, stealing from God all those years what belonged to him. Now your grandma and I, we think so differently about life. We see everything that we have, and we know it comes from God. And we're not the owners. No, we're the stewards. We manage all that. Same thing's true for your life, absolutely. That's right. I mean, you know your puppy that you've got? Yeah, he's cute, isn't he? Do you know that he belongs to God? Yeah. And those toys you have, do you know that those belong to God? You know, someday, Harrison, you're going to grow up to be a young man, and you're a smart boy, and you're going to make some money, and that money belongs to God. You're going to want to buy things, and all those things belong to God. So you've got to be careful with that money and what you buy, because you're managing it for God. You're in charge of it for God. What's that? What does it mean to manage God's money? That's a good question. Were you in church this morning? Yeah? Were you awake or did you fall asleep? You stayed awake? Yeah. Well, did you hear what the preacher was talking about? Yeah. He's talking about money. Who owns our money? That's right. And he said that next weekend he's going to talk about how to manage that money. So I guess you and Grandpa better pay attention next weekend, huh? Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I can smell the chili. Grandma's probably got it about cooked and we don't want to make her upset by showing up late. Right? Okay, well, let's go in there and have, have lunch, okay? Come on up. All right. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, um, would you do me a favor, Harrison? Uh, before we eat lunch, would you thank God today? Would you be the one that gives the prayer and thanks God for all he's given to us? Would you do that for me? Yeah, that's my buddy. Thank you. Yeah. What's that? Oh, well, I want you to know, Harrison, that I love you too. Jesus always told great stories, didn't he? Yes. <laughs> Jesus always told great stories, didn't he? Yeah. Wow. I was in a time lapse in a different congregation on another planet. And, and they were like, huh? All right. But he always did, didn't he? He always told powerful stories. And when he told the stories, oftentimes he told them to answer a question or to give clarity to some kind of problem or issue. And sometimes we want to take those stories as preachers and we want to, like, divide them up into ten different answers and it meant twelve different things or whatever. But oftentimes when Jesus told a story, he he was just trying to communicate one principle. 
one truth. They wanted the person to walk away with and wrestle with. And in the story that you saw kind of a modern version too, and then saw the ancient version scrolling by, Jesus is responding to someone who's making a demand on him. In fact, you can turn your Bibles open to that story if you want, and I hope that you read it again carefully later on. It's found in the Gospel of Luke and chapter 15. New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 15. You have your Bibles in the chair there. Just turn open the New Testament. Go Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the third one in the New Testament. Luke, chapter 15, and... uh, uh, beginning, excuse me, Luke chapter 12. Let's try to get it right this time. Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse, grab my glasses, verse 13. <laughs> All right? It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So here's this guy, and I feel for this guy. His father's evidently passed away, and the inheritance has been left to him and his brother. And he wants his cut. He wants his share. And his brother won't sit down at the table to, you know, to work things out so they can each get what's coming to them and move on with life. And if I had been that person, I would have been probably as, as concerned to get it settled as, as that individual was. I mean, when it comes to issues of settling estates, the longer they go, the more complicated they get. The more emotions get involved, and you know, shady things start to happen, and greed kind of settles in. And so he says to Jesus, he calls a rabbi, he says, settle the issue, because in those days, rabbis had legal authority. They could settle those kinds of issues, and Jesus could have forced the brother to the table to solve it, but Jesus refuses to be a judge and an arbiter between the two. Instead, Jesus goes beyond all of it and gets to the issue at hand, which he calls greed. And what Jesus does is he exposes what oftentimes is our own mindset, no matter what you know, point in history we have lived in or are living in, Jesus exposes this mindset that seems to be a part of our sinful nature and is certainly uh, enhanced by the materialistic culture we live in today. And that is that we define life or have a tendency to define life and our existence by what we own, by what we have by what is ours in terms of money and in terms of possessions. And so we work hard our whole lives to be able to get to the place where where finally we feel like we have enough money and enough possessions to be comfortable or to be happy or to be satisfied or fulfilled. And then we fight that constant message of the culture, materialism, that says, but that's not enough. You have to have more and more and more. And then we start behaving in risky ways in hopes of having more and oftentimes losing what we had to start with. Of course, there are other folks in our culture this day who don't feel like working hard for all that. They just feel entitled to have it right now. They want to be at that place where they can be in control of their lives, where they can eat, drink, and be merry, do as they wish because they've got the money and the possessions, the power to be able to do that. And Jesus says to this guy, and I think he's saying it to all of us, life is not about what you own. It's not about you being controlled. It's not about getting to that place where you can finally retire and you've got it made. That's not what life is all about. You have not arrived at that point. 
That's why in the story that Jesus tells, this guy, you know, kind of says to himself, oh man, now, he says, now I've got plenty laid up for many years. I can take life easy. You know, I can build barns, I can buy a tractor, I can go on a cruise, I can do all the stuff. I've got it made, I can eat, drink, and I can be merry. And he goes, right about then, boom, the guy stands for God. Has a heart attack or whatever, and he stands for God. And God looks at him and God says, you fool, which means, you know, somebody who is mindless and senseless, who thinks they know better than God. He says, you fool, today your soul, your life is required of you. And the word that he uses for require in the Greek is what a merchant would use or a banker would use when they were calling in a loan. In other words, your loan is due right now. Your soul, in other words, doesn't belong to you. I'm calling in your soul. Now what are you going to do with all those things that you thought were yours? What are you going to do about your soul that you thought was yours? And so Jesus makes it really clear. I mean, the point is obvious in the the story, isn't it? The point is life is not about possessions and life is not about ownership. Life is about a relationship. And it's a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's what life is. That's how you define life. And no other way and no other means. I have a question for you. Rhetorical question. Answer it in yourself right now. Do you believe that your life is God's or do you believe that your life is your own? You and I live in a culture that preaches individualism. You and I live in a world that says, it's all about me, this is my life, it's my body, and I will do with it as I please. That is not true. It is not your body, it's not your life. Even if you're not a follower of God, it's still not your life. Now, you can steal it, and you can say, I'm going to do as I, as I, you know, darn well please. This is my life. But the reality is, it's not. I mean, God is the one who created life. He took Adam, made him out of the dirt, remember? A clay vessel, and then he breathed life into him, took a rib out of him, and formed the woman. They both had the life that God gave. And we are the result of Adam and Eve, that first couple, multiplied, you know, billions of times over throughout history. And all of us have life today. All of us have breath of life today. Do you know that that breath of life in us originally came from God's breath. Every one of us. So my life is not my own. It's really God's. I'm on loan, so to speak. This body is not even my own. It belongs to God. But most of us steal it and and use it for our own pleasure, for our own desires, for our own needs. And we believe this life is ours. It is not ours. And someday every one of us is going to stand before God and give an account for how we've handled this life. Now, for those who have rejected God, rejected his son, said, this is my life, I'll do with it as I please, I want nothing to do with God, I want to run my own life, they face eternal judgment. They face hell. I know it's not real popular to talk about that, even amongst Christians today, but it's the reality. For those of us who are believers, though, and have come to a place where we've given our life to God, I don't know about you, but I still fight as a believer. I still fight the temptation to think that this is my life and I can do with it as I please. Am I alone? We all fight it, right? And I slip into thievery so easily. I, I just slip into that mode where it's all about me again and, and doing what I please and what I want to do. 
The reality is someday I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to give him an account, even as a follower. My, my salvation won't be in question, you know, where I'm going to spend eternity. Because I have Christ in my life, it will be in heaven forever with God. But, but what I've done with my life will be up for judgment. You see, life is not just about the fact that God owns me. It's also about the fact that everything that he's given me belongs to him. The problem is I have a tendency to think that it's all mine to do with as I please. So the second question is not only do you own your life or does God own your life, but who owns what you have in your life or who you have in your life? You or God? See, it's really easy for me to say, okay, well, listen, um, God, God owns me. I belong to God. I'm, I'm a saved Christian. I'm a believer. But all the stuff in my life, that's mine. My money is mine. My possessions, the things I have, that belongs to me. That is mine to do with as I please. Eh, wrong. It's not. Remember what Psalm 24, 1 says. Read it aloud with me. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. See, the problem is we, we, we hang on to all this stuff in our life. You know, our possessions. And we say, it's mine, 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 mine. And we look at it and we go, I'm so free with this. I have power with this. I have control with this. And what we don't realize is that this is, is weighing us down. It's hampering us. It's restricting us. God can't release his blessings into our life. God can't release the overflow of his spirit into our lives. I meet Christians who are struggling spiritually. And they don't know why. They don't know why they don't feel close to God. They don't know why he doesn't answer their prayers. They don't know why there are no breakthroughs in their life. And I can tell you probably one of the major reasons why is because they're, they're stealing what belongs to him and using it on their own pleasures, their own design. And so God can't connect with them. If we would just learn to break free from that stuff, we would discover a whole new dimension of life that we cannot know as long as we're bound by it. So think about, think about your savings. Think about your investments, what's left of them. Think about your possessions. Think about your spouse who you're married. Think about your children, your grandchildren. And I want to ask you a question. Who do they, who does it belong to? Does it belong to God or does it belong to you? Are you using it for God or are you using it for yourself? All of us are going to give an accounting for that. See, if you go on and read past the story, Jesus makes it pretty clear that we ought to, st- we ought to spend uh, less time worrying about our things and focusing more on God's kingdom. Our tendency is to take all these things in our life that God blesses us and gives us and to use them to build our own little kingdoms. And God makes it really clear in his word that, you know, the kingdoms of this world are going to disappear. And that what he does is he resources us. He gives us so much to spend on his kingdom, on his work, on his mission. I mean, that's the only reason why God's left you and me here, here on earth. If you think about it, it makes no sense. God doesn't leave us here just so we can, you know, wait till we die to show up in heaven. God leaves us here to continue to be Jesus on earth, to continue to show God's love, to continue to tell people about how God can change their lives. And when he's finished using us, he calls us home. That's why you've been left here. And all the stuff that he's given you are resources that he's asking you to use in order to work out his kingdom's mandate here on earth. You say, well, how do you do that? I mean, how, how do I know what I'm supposed to invest and 
I mean, are you saying God wants me to be, wants me to be poor? No. I say, well, are you saying what the TV preachers, some of them are saying, that God wants to be prosperous and rich? No. <laughs> well, does God not want me to have nice clothes? I didn't say that. Does God not want me to have a new car? I didn't say that. But what God does want you to do is be responsible with what he's given you. And there's a principle that will help you do that. It's a principle that actually will release blessings into your life. And we're going to look at it next weekend. It's a principle that, it's a principle that we really, really, really misunderstand. And I think next weekend in a very fun and practical way, you're going to get clarity on it. And if you'll trust it and if you'll practice it, I believe you'll see blessings begin to be released in your life like you've never seen before because finally you're getting it right. Finally, you're not operating according to humanism 101 and economics 101 by the way of the world, but now you're living under God's plan and God's providence. Please remember this. Though our world may be in recession, God is not. He is not limited. He is not limited by... Man, he's not limited by Washington. He's not limited by Wall Street. And God oftentimes does things that confound the wisest people. He has his way when his people honor him and get their act together. And I think what God has allowed, and I think it's a good thing in our nation, I think what God has allowed to happen is for this, you know, tower of, of bricks that we've laid up, our little tower of Babel that we've created, I think God's allowed it to topple over. In fact, I think God's gone like this. Knocked it out from underneath of us to wake us up to the reality that man's ways don't work. I don't know about you, but I don't think they're working real well in the world right now, do you? I just don't think it's working well, but God, God knows what he's doing. And God has a plan and God has a purpose. I just got to align myself underneath of it and do things God's way. So two questions for you this morning. It's a really simple message. Two questions. Number one, who owns you? Number two, Who owns what you have? Can you say God does? You know, for me, that's something I have to answer every single day of my life. I'm not asking you to do one of those things where you go, okay, God, all right, God, you own my life, and God, everything I have is yours. Amen. Got that over with. Now I can go on. Give me that principle next week because I want to be rich. All right? Whoa, didn't hear that message right, did we? What has to happen in your life, same thing happens in my life. Every day, every day, I have to remind myself God, you owe me. My life belongs to you. And every day I have to remind myself, God, everything I have is yours. And you can take it when you want. I may not understand why. I may not understand your plan. But I know you know what you're doing behind the scenes. And and you're in control. It's yours anyway. It's not mine. I have to do that every single day. And practice thanksgiving instead of greed. How do you counter greed? By learning to become what? Thankful for everything that you have. And having a spirit of of praise so this morning don't want you to answer me but in your own mind this morning i want you to wrestle with who owns you who owns what you have you cannot get to the liberating principle we're going to talk about next weekend if you don't settle that issue today well we've been talking about stories i want to share one more parable with you a modern parable and uh want you to listen all right I want this pearl. How much is it? Well, the seller says, it's very expensive. How much, we ask? Well, a very large amount. Do you think I could buy it? Well, of course, everyone can buy it. 
But didn't you say it was very expensive? Yes. Well, how much is it? Everything you have. Wow. Everything I have. All right, I'll, I'll buy it, we say. But what do you have? Well, I have $10,000 in the bank. Good, $10,000. I'll take it. What else? That's all. That's all I have. Well, I got a few dollars in my pocket. How much? Well, let's see. I've got 20, 30, 40, 60, 80, 100, $120. That's fine. I'll take it. What else do you have? Well, nothing. That, that, that's all. Well, where do you live? In my house, yeah. I've got a house. The house too then. I'll take it. You mean I have to live in my camper? Oh, you have a camper. That too. What else? I have to sleep in my car. You have a car? Two of them. Both become mine. Both cars. What else? Well, you already have my money, my house, my camper, my cars. What more do you want? Are you alone in the world? No, I have a wife and two children. Oh, yes, your wife and children too. I'll take them. What else? I have nothing left. I'm left alone now. Suddenly, the seller exclaims, Oh, I almost forgot. You, yourself too. Everything becomes mine. Wife, children, house, money, cars, and you too. Now listen, I will allow you to use all these things for the time being. But don't forget They are mine just as you are mine. And whenever I need any of them, you must give them up. Because now I am the owner. Now I am the owner. Is he the owner of your life? Let's pray. Father, this morning... I thank you for your simple yet powerful stories that remind us of life-changing truth. And the truth that we come face to face with this morning, Father, is who owns us and who owns what we have. And Lord, I know right now that there is a tug of war going on in some hearts in this room. And we're coming up with all kinds of reasons and excuses Why not to let go of our end of the rope and let you have control? But, oh God, one of these days we're going to report to you in eternity. And we are going to give an account for our souls on loan from you and for all that you have blessed us with. Father, may we not be found as thieves. But, Lord, I pray that we will be found as good stewards who have managed well our lives, our souls, our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our salvation, and have managed the resources that you have blessed us with to accomplish your purpose rather than our own. And Lord, I pray that you prepare our hearts for next weekend's liberating principle. I pray that we will dare to step out and trust and experience you as we've done, as we've never done before. Father, You own my life this morning. I give you my life. You own all that I have. It belongs to you. May we all be able to say that for your glory and your honor in Jesus' name.